1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Yo! It is another edition of High Hopes as we get you set for another week of Phillies baseball. I'm James Seltzer with me. As always, at least it feels that way, but this time not in studio with me. I can't look into his eyes and see what he's thinking over the phone, but with us nonetheless, Mr. Jack Fritz. Fritzy, what's up, buddy?
1: Well, I think you know what I'm thinking. Uh, Michael Franco's back. (laughs) You can't even wait.
0: You can't even wait to get into it.
1: Michael Franco's back, man. Like, he's back to being the guy we all knew he could be.
0: By we all, we mean you, Jack Fritz. We'll get into Franco in just a sec. Don't forget, leave reviews on iTunes. We appreciate any review. We can get ratings, reviews, all that. Obviously, we want the five-star ratings, but we appreciate honesty. Tell us what you really think. Either way, just tell us what you think. They really help with iTunes and all that type of stuff, the search feature, all that good stuff. And, And basically, you're doing it for Jack because he might not admit it. No, he will admit it. He's obsessed with these reviews. He needs them.
1: I do need them. I, I just I like waking up every day, checking iTunes reviews, and see if people like the show. <laughs> and, I, and, it, and it helps. And it helps build so that other Phillies fans, if they search Phillies on uh, iTunes, it shows up as our podcast because we are the best.
0: Do it for Jack. All right, Jack. Let's jump into this. I'm just going to give you the platform here. As we uh, a fun weekend of Phillies baseball. Granted, unable to sweep the Marlins, but do take two of three, of course. On Saturday they put up a twenty spot for the first time since two thousand nine, or the most runs they've scored since two thousand nine. Um, we'll get into the, the, the twenty of it all in just a minute, but Michael Franco, ten RBIs over those two games, just uh, yeah, he's looked great so far.
1: Close stance Franco. I I, I, I didn't want to give up on him until I've made sure he sucked close stance wise. And since he's gone close stance. He is hitting more balls in the air. He's seeing the inside pitch, and once he's see once the ball is in the air, like his problem last year was always that when he was smoking balls, they were all on the ground. Now that's translating to, to fly balls, and the ball is jumping off of his bat. Even if even when he's popping up, it just there's a different level of velocity off of Mike Alfranco's bat, and even in the game when he had the the, the home run on Friday th- Thursday Thursday Thursday. He had a home run in that game. He had bat before he smoked another ball as well. So, uh he's seen the ball really well. Now, granted, uh it is the Marlins and it was a lefty. AK the
0: worst team in baseball.
1: Horrible baseball team. Like borderline unwatchable. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. actually very unwatchable.
0: Very unwatchable, yes. Borderline right. uh uh I don't even illegal well, almost that line.
1: Borderline, borderline baseball. Like they're borderline. Yeah, that's, that's the a, way to put it. <laughs> yes, major
0: borderline baseball. major leagues. Yes, perfect.
1: Yeah, uh, but Franco. Like it just it, and and he's seeing uh, four and a half pitches per plate appearance up from I think three point five eight last year, which is a major jump. And the OBP is up way higher. If he's seeing pitches now, waiting for his pitches and attacking the pitches in his in his strike zone and his counts, I mean he is he is going to be so valuable for this team.
0: Yeah, look, the last point you made for me has been the biggest, and and I have. Uh... Obviously not been on Mike Helfranco Island with you and Joe Gilio, but uh, look, I think that what you said there is the most important thing to me. The close stance obviously is the beginning and end of it all, but the the pitches per plate appearance, the approach at the plate that has always been my biggest issue with Mike Helfranco is just going up and hacking. And look, if, if this is something that translate, and I still will say it, and I still will stand by it, I need to see this over a longer period of time, obviously other than eight games of baseball, which he hasn't even played in a couple of. But what we're seeing is certainly positive. You have to look at it. I, I look, you can't look at what Frank Franco is doing so far and say it's not real because we've seen him do it in the major leagues before. So you have to give it at least a little bit of credence. Again, Jack, I, I need to see it for a longer period of time. So as someone who believed in Franco before the season, the closed stance, you know, was was all in. as all in as anyone could possibly be on a guy who has stunk for the last two seasons. Tell me why it's going to last.
1: Uh, because, listen, <laughs> I think it's going to last, but I also, I can't say for sure it's like he's going to be an all-star. But just the fact that it's not... He's not jumping on, like, first pitches or jumping on, like, 0-1-0-2 pitches. He's not really swinging at things outside the zone. I think all of this is encouraging signs, and the fact that it's reaping early benefits is going to make Mike Kell believe in it more. Like, if he was closing his stance and trying to see pitches and still struggling with, with making hard contact, I think he'd go back and revert to his old ways, but the fact that he's already off such a hot start with it, um... I think he's a really 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 important sign um, it's it's like right, right now is the perfect trend now if he if he starts to dip and he's swinging early in counts and not seeing as many pitches like it, it's all it's all about the pitch selection for me like I think if he is still working counts, waiting for his pitch and ripping it or not even ripping it, but waiting for his pitch. I think the results are going to come with that. I mean, baseball. Even when you hit the ball hard, it, you fail three out of ten times. You're considered a hall of famer. So, but as long you as you fail the seven out of ten same, times, huh?
0: You fail. Se- I knew what you were saying. You fail seven out of ten times.
1: Yeah, you fail seven out of ten times. You succeed three out of, 10, out of yeah, exactly. So as long as as long as the process remains the same, to how he's getting to his results, then I'll be fine. Uh, that's the only way it's going to keep up because right now he's kind of in that in that perfect zone.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. And look, again, what we've seen so far has been extremely heartening. I love how uh, when you were talking about it before, you found ways around launch angle and exit velocity while still saying those things in a different way. I thought that was pretty impressive as well. He's really hitting the ball hard. But um, I-, I think, you know, you're hitting on a key point here, and it's it's the approach like we mentioned. And also, it's it's really team-wide. And and I think John Maley deserves a lot of credit for this team's offensive approach so far through eight yep. games, leading the major leagues in pitches per plate appearance. I think that is such a crucial stat for this team moving forward, grinding through pitching staffs. And, and you know, we saw that's the type of stuff that happens and that's what leads to a 20-run game. And obviously you can't take too much away from one game. But I know Jack Fritz did as he was texting me nonstop that Saturday and, and almost like euphoric text, just like Jack just texting me stuff like, I'm just happy. I'm so happy right now. Talk to me about your emotions and, and what you went through on Saturday, Jack.
1: The thing about the the thing about seeing pitches is and like working counts and whatever. Even though they are what three and five now, eventually that stuff yields positive results. That's the, that's the thing you have to get over with the whole analytics thing. It's like they don't work every single time, but water always finds its level, in my opinion. And eventually, more often than not, they're going to work. Unfortunately, every single thing Gabe Gabe Kapler has done uh, with, with the shifts and everything. Uh, they, they, they've all not really worked to his to his liking in the first week. Like it was the worst possible start to the Gabe Kapler era. And I thought on Saturday, they kind of released all that frustration. Everything they had preached started to, to work, to come around. Um, really, I was just so happy about Mikel. Like, all, everyone who was directly affected by my brand had a really <laughs> big game. I so love like the
0: Mike- way you phrase that, like, as in, not that affects your brand, but that they are affected by your brand. I, I, I love that. I love that phrasing.
1: Aaron Altair had a grand slam. Mike Cal had a big night. Jorge Alfaro hit an opposite field home run, 460-some feet. 440, I think. Yeah, actually. well, I think it,
0: but... one of the two of us was a lot more excited about Alfaro than the other. I won't say who.
1: No, I know. I was, admittedly, I was down. But now I think he's been criminally underrated as a as a member of this core going forward. I mean, the guy smokes the ball and has an absolute cannon behind cannon. the Cannon.
0: That play he made in the ninth inning of the 20-run game. First of all, just that he's making a hustle play like that in the in the ninth inning of a 20-to-1 game was awesome to see. But that play he made with the, the little dribbler and, and firing the ball. To, like, he has an absolute cannon of an arm.
1: There is. No catcher in the league that can make that play besides him. I
0: think That's you're sure. right about. It. No one has that arm. He has the best arm of any catcher in baseball. And I think he's you could super say
1: athletic for being a kind of chubby guy.
0: Yeah, he is. I was I was so impressed by that play.
1: And uh, like he's he he smoked the ball too. I mean he, he uh, like the the ball he hit in the first whatever three innings that it was. Uh, I think that was like 114 miles an hour off the bat, which is just ridiculous. Uh, the guy, the guy smokes the ball off the bat, and you know everyone. I think everyone just overrates the whole defense thing. Like, sure, he may not be perfect at calling a game yet, but that takes years of experience. It does. I'm super impressed by his receiving skills so far, and eventually teams are going to realize that they can't run on him. So, um, I, I was super impressed by Alfaro. Faro. Um, Dubo had a big night. Have you? Do you think? In your eyes, does Abdubo look like he's been more locked in this past week than not ever before because we've seen Abdubo streaks? No, yeah, it's a great
0: point. because He looks different. Yeah, we've seen the streaks. He looks like he's in those streaks, but it it looks different. I totally agree with you, and I think that – you know a lot of people rip Kapler for the opening day thing. I think that might lit a little bit of a fire underneath Odebel. I mean, he really has been locked in at the plate. He's not we're not seeing the boneheaded stuff at all so far. He's batting what like 360 right now. He's hitting the ball really well. Um, obviously a, a a criminally small sample size, but I'm with you. I've been really impressed with the approach that Odebel has had at the plate working his way back from 02 counts. Like he's looked really good so far.
1: Fouling off a thousand pitches, which is my favorite version of Abdul. <laughs> but I think I think a lot of it does come down to the the support system around him, and I think Middleton getting more involved has helped out uh, Abdul as well. Because I remember uh, a quote in the spring training, it, he was like, "Yeah, I talked to Abdul, and I say to him." Listen, man. We think you're going to be an all-star, and we want you to be an all-star. And I think Abdul—it's finally starting to set in now. We haven't seen the ridiculousness in the outfield. We haven't None. seen even even on the long home—not home run. It was off the top of the wall, but it should have been a home run if the wind wasn't blowing in. Didn't bat flip. It seems like he's just really settled in, letting the game come to him, and and it's, it's reaping the benefits. I think I think he's batting 375 with like a 450 some OBP. He's stolen a couple bags. Uh, I mean, Abdul last year pretty much put up the same numbers as the year before, uh, batting-wise. And the year before, he's a top 80 fantasy option. Uh, And last year, he dropped down to a 210-ish fantasy option. But what made the difference was him not stealing any bases last year. And I think this year, they've been weirdly aggressive on the base pass. As a team,
0: it's been great. I've really enjoyed – I mean, Hoskins has a couple steals already. Carlos Santana stole home. Yeah, I'm with you, Jack. And not just that, you're seeing aggressiveness going first to third, all that stuff Kapler talked about, which, you know, I think is is kind of what you were talking about at the beginning, Jack, in the sense that, you know, the first week couldn't have gone worse for Kapler and the anal- hating analytics crowd and all that. But I, I'm 100% with you. People who've listened to the show or any show know that I'm a fan of analytics for the most part, but – I do think that ultimately the 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 it will level out, and more times than not, you're you're doing things like that, like being aggressive on the base pass. More times than not, that is going to yield positive results as opposed to the the few times it's negative results. And and I, look, I I think it's been a, a hallmark of this team so far. It's kind of the way they play, the grinding out at bats, aggressive on the base pass. It's the exact type of stuff you want to see from a baseball team. So. I'm really, really impressed with how the – especially after, you know, game two through whatever, five, you know, people were questioning the offense. What's going on here? And, uh, and like you said, I think they let a lot of that frustration out on Saturday. We'll get to Sunday in just a second. But one guy, this whole – the offense getting going, one guy has continued to struggle to the point where he actually finally got sat down despite being by far the best option at the most important defensive position in the sport – JP Crawford has looked lost at the plate, Jack. Uh, look, he's still young. I'm not freaking out or anything like that. But are, are you at all worried about what we've seen or or lack of what we've seen from Crawford?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard not to be worried. I I just don't like how slow his bat is. Like, I think I think he could really benefit from going to a lighter weighted bat. I was thinking about that the other day. Um, was, the the swing mechanics look off. He looks slower. His, his really good pitch recognition on inside pitches doesn't look as as good as it had in, in years past. Uh, and every time he makes contact, it's either a pop-up or a, or a weak ground ball. Uh, he desperately needs a, a big game-ish kind of uh, breakout to get confident. Because right now, when I watch him at the plate, he looks like a guy that has absolutely no confidence, doesn't know what he's doing, uh, isn't attacking pitches in the right scenario. I feel like, I feel like he's become so concerned with uh, getting on base and and walking—that it's taking away from his aggressiveness at the plate. Uh, I've been I've been super concerned about J. B. Crawford. Uh, he needed a really big year, and it, it just in trading Freddie Galvis, him coming out and struggling this much is really hurting my anti Freddie Galvis. Yeah, plan. I was going to say
0: the brand was having such a good weekend, the J. P. Uh, part of it not helping.
1: No, I know. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely a little bit worried. But he's also 23. First time being considered the the full-time shortstop of this team. I'm sure that has a a lot of pressure on him. Uh, he just got to get back into a, a little bit of a comfort zone. Right now, he's like it's the weirdest thing because he's clearly pressing, but he's also not pressing at all because he's not swinging. And when he does swing, it, it's resulting in negative results. He's been a, he's been a complete zero at the plate.
0: Yeah, literally. And uh, you know, I I saw one. I can't remember who tweeted it out, but. Um, exit velocity on one of his is uh, like weak, like pop out type uh, or nibbler type balls was like 88 miles per hour or something like that, and it's just like yikes. He is yeah. not he is not making hard strong contact. And look, he needs he, to get
1: stronger. He's he, so skinny. It's
0: true. He needs to bulk up a little bit. But at the same time, I will also say again, he is incredibly young to be in the spot that he's in. And also, we've seen him have struggles and turn it around. Just last season in the minors, 12 a 12 homer month after struggling incredibly prior to that. So you know, I'm not far from out on JP
1: Crawford. But I feel like I feel like he just needs he needs that exhale moment where it's just like everything's all pent up, pent up, and then finally a big exhale and then let him go from there. He just hasn't got there yet. Still all pent up inside.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, one guy who finally got to exhale a little bit, finally making his first appearance as a Philly. Very excited to have Jake Arietta in the house Sunday. The uh, first start for Arietta. didn't start out so well. A rough first inning, but then settled down, worked three more innings after that. Jack, what was your main takeaway from Arietta's first start?
1: Uh, I thought his off-speed was really good. Uh, I thought it showed good movement. And it was such a difference from his spring training, which he was pretty much just throwing fastballs. Uh, I, I was excited to see him use his curveball in different counts, his changeup. Uh, he threw an 88 mile an hour pitch that moved a lot, and people are calling it a changeup. I'm pretty sure that was a fastball, which I'm not super happy about. But he also got started in spring training super late, and uh, I don't know his his fastball velocity dipped every single inning, which is. Not the greatest trend, but it's also he's kind of working back from from uh, not really having a spring training. So I'm fine with it, but it is something to monitor. Uh, but overall, I was I was happy with 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 how he performed. I mean, in the first inning, he had a ground ball double play that Crawford was a little bit out of position because of the shift uh, that would have helped that. But he retired his last eleven, so uh, I'm fine with Arrieta.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way. I think it was actually ten of his last eleven. Regardless. Really turned it around after that first inning. You look, you could see it in the first inning. You could see the rust. He was erratic. He had no control over his breaking pitch. Uh, And then all of a sudden, he was fine after that. Like really, it was it was a pretty drastic difference from inning one to inning two. And like you said, I think that the real key here is this guy didn't really have a spring training. You know, at least not a, a full spring training. It takes time for pitchers to build their arm up. You know that, Jack, as well as anybody. So I'm not, I I think there's very little you could take away too much from that first start. Again, like Jack said before, also facing a borderline major league offense as well, so you don't get too excited or too upset. I I do think, though, it was was good to see after that first inning, the struggles to have him come back out and and really flash that stuff, flash the control. So I'm with you. I think you have to feel good about the first outing.
1: Yeah, I'm good with Arietta. Um Now he only pitched, what, like 60 pitches, 65 pitches? 70, so,
0: 74 pitches.
1: 74 pitches, okay. Um, Which,
0: just to, to, to ward off any of the Kapler hate, him and Gabe were on the same page with that. He said he knew exactly how many pitches he was at. Even going into the fourth inning, he knew he only had 10 pitches to work with. And he said, don't worry, Gabe. I'll get through this inning in less. And he was able to do that. So um, just for all the, how could you only pull him after 74 pitches, people? He didn't have a spring training. 74 pitches, more than enough for his first start.
1: Well, that's not enough to qualm the, the, the fire game Of course not. Nothing They is. want blood, as they saw by the, the booing again on Sunday, which oh. is just... If it, if it continues tonight, I'm, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm like,
0: not, uh, it's, um, honestly, I feel embarrassed. I feel embarrassed. It's embarrassing. Yeah.
1: It shows how stupid of a city we are.
0: Whoa!
1: In, does, from a baseball perspective, it shows how stupid of a city we are.
0: I think it's a vocal it's just, minority.
1: It, but it's just, it's just infuriating, dude. Like, they scored 20 runs the night before. They won the, the game before that on Thursday. Just, like, give it a rest, man. Like, just get over the fact that he pulled Nola. You booed him the first time. You booed him on the first pitching change. He gets it. Like, you're not doing anything by booing him. It is so Neanderthalistic. I cannot take it anymore. It is, it is downright embarrassing that they continue to boo a guy for trying something different. And, like, it's, just, it's the first week of a 162-game season. It is, it is not football. It is not football. You cannot. Well, if treat it were like football,
0: Eagles. we would be uh, through the first half of the first game of the season, all right? So chill out. I'm with you 100%. We're not even 116th through the season yet, which is, you know, what football is. So they haven't even played a full football game. Not one game, and people are already yelling to fire the guy. I'm with you 100%. And the first
1: boo was fine. Like, the, I agree with you and because we knew day. it was
0: coming. And it was like, you know what? You have that right. If you want to boo them when they're announced, fine.
1: But, been, like, but then you don't boo when you're
0: winning three to nothing. Like, it was so outrageous. You're winning the game. Nick Pavetta is coming out after pitching the best game that kids ever pitch. And I know they changed the cheers and we're not booing Pavetta, but you're booing the manager as you go out. Just shut the hell up and cheer Pavetta as he walks off the field. I mean, I, 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 I'm with you, Jack. I was really, really annoyed by it.
1: And then don't boo after you win 20-1 to one the night before. <laughs> it's a thought. And, uh...
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, the whole thing's outrageous to me, and, and I get it. I get people are upset and stuff, but it just look, It makes us all look bad. It really does.
1: Especially because like, every team in the MLB does this besides the Phillies for the last couple of years, and everyone just, like, I just feel like no one's really watching other baseball besides the Phillies, and they're used to them just like, hey, yeah, keep throwing. What are you, at 115 pitches? Who cares? Keep going. It doesn't matter. Like Baseball's changed so much since the Phillies were relevant in 2011 and I just, I just think people haven't caught up to that yet.
0: I think there's probably some of that in the sense that the Phillies were behind the curve with it, uh, you know, to begin with, and not just that. Like the Phillies have gone from from zero to sixty in like three seconds, too. You know, it kind of yeah, went yeah. from the least analytically inclined organization in all of sports to potentially the most in their sport in a sport that has, you know, obviously we just saw the Astros and the Dodgers play in the World Series two of the most, if not the most, analytically inclined teams in the sport. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm with you, man. I, I, I just think it was a bad look. in the, Like, after, so the next day, I went and, yeah, for, for you know, the, the, we do High Hopes, I do Phillies Today. I'm, I just type in Phillies into the Google bar and just see what the stories are, and literally every freaking story is Phillies fans boo manager at home opener, Phillies fans boo Kepler It's like, that's all I see. It's like yep. they won the game. They won the home opener, and it's all about how Philly fans boo this guy the first time he steps on the field in their city.
1: Yep. It's okay, though. But eventually, they'll get over it once they start winning. Uh, it's, I it's don't know, man. Okay. I think
0: is going to be standing on the podium in a couple of years holding the World Series trophy, and the, booze, the the booze will be raining down on the poor guy.
1: Yeah, the poor guy. But <laughs> I will say this. The first, the first couple games... The lineup is just noticeably more fun to watch on a night-in, night-out basis. Like when it used to get down to the eight, nine range of the last couple years, I just flipped the channel because I knew there was going to be nothing exciting. Now you have Jorge Alfaro down there. You have you can monitor the progress of J.P. Crawford. Uh, it's just a, it's just a way more entertaining product on the field. Um, we, like, no one's talking about Reese Hoskins. Thank you. That's like- where I was
0: about to go. I, 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 like, I can't even, I'm speechless when I think about no one was talking about him before the season. When we did the, uh, the, the Phillies roundtable on the evening show, a Jack Fritz idea that worked out pretty well, Joe Gilio yeah. and I were talking about that. He said, Why is no one talking about Reese Hoskins? And I'm like, I don't get it. This guy's the best player on the team. And no one is saying a word about him. It's all Kingry and Arietta and everything else.
1: What pisses me off is the fantasy community just thought he was going to be bad because of his small sample size without actually so watching. Yeah, or, like, or or looking
0: hitting. at his minor league numbers, maybe, or anything like that. It's like, what? Why, how could you possibly think he's going to suck?
1: He, he's batting .440 with a .559 OBP. Both tops in Major
0: League Baseball, for what it's worth.
1: He's got a hit in every game besides one, I'm pretty sure. James, what if we have... Joey Votto with power.
0: That uh, Jack, I, like, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Like, I think Reese Hoskins is a perennial all star for a long time to come. I think he's going to be one of the better hitters in the sport for a long time to come.
1: It's not even the like. This is another thing with Franco and 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 him and Cesar and Santana. Is that it's the process to getting to the results? Like their process of hitting. Is just it's going to be hard for them to really struggle. Uh, they have a very high they, floor. Yeah, because of because of how they they approach hitting. Like having to face Cesar Santana and Hoskins in the first inning is just it has to be a nightmare for pitchers.
0: Of course it is. They just go up and they force pitchers to throw good pitches. You know you're not going to get away with with you know you're not going to trick those guys in those spots and and that's and it's. I mean, Reese Hoskins is such a good hitter. And then you hear him talk about hitting, and he talks about all the film he watches and how, you know, analytical he is about going about his business. And it's just, it's music to my ears.
1: It really is. And he, every game he's doing something different. He's walking, uh, he's just seeing like the first innings for pitchers has to be a nightmare. And then you, you couple in Abdul, who is now in that weird Abdul phase where he's just fouling off everything. Uh, and then, and then you have Franco right behind him. Like it's a, it's a really really fun lineup. I hope JP can can get it going a little bit. Uh, what are your what are your early thoughts on Scott Kingery?
0: It's a great question. Um, I mean, I I don't I don't have. Uh, look, he looks like a rookie, and I think he's played pretty well so far. But I don't I don't think that people expect. I think a lot of people expected Scott Kingery to come up and be the best player on the team. I mean, that's yep. kind of the impression that it. And that was always foolish. That was a foolish thing to think. And, again, we just talked about it. The best player on the team is a guy named Reese Hoskins, and there's no question about it. But, uh, look, I think Kingery's been fine. I think he's been pretty good for a guy his age coming up and getting his first taste in the major leagues. But he hasn't been a world beater so far.
1: Yeah, he's kind of having one of of those years that um, you're going to look back on his rookie year and he'll take a big jump next year it's just that first year he's batting your classic like 250 with a 308 obp like the the like his his full offensive potential potential hasn't been reached yet uh obviously but it just seems like he's gonna be one of those guys that you look back on and be like oh he looked like a classic rookie to me he just looks like a rookie he's swinging at pitches outside the zone he's striking out a little bit too much um and I he think they're asking
0: him to do too much, and I, I know he's got the ability to play all, of, all over the field, and I think that ultimately that is something that is a real benefit, but I, I think it's tough to ask this kid to come up, step into the lineup for the first time, and then go play right field, go play third place, go play shortstop. I mean, that's tough.
1: Yeah, and he's going to eventually be fine. It's just, it's just that right now, like, he just looks a little bit a little bit behind, I think he'll eventually get there. He's too talented not to. But he just kind of looks like a rookie. He doesn't look like the world beater we saw in spring training, which he was never going to be. Of course. He's going to be great. He's got, I'm not saying he's not going to be great, but right now he looks like a rookie, and he, it's going to be tough getting him in the lineup unless it's at shortstop.
0: Yep. This is our, uh, our annual reminder. We'll do the same thing next year on April the 9th, and then the following year on April the 9th in perpetuity. Don't overrate spring training stats. This happens every year. Last year, Greg Bird had the best spring training in the history of spring trainings. Yeah, Shohei Ohtani is a perfect example. He got destroyed in spring training, couldn't throw strikes, could barely hit, and now he's the talk of baseball.
1: And he is. He's nasty. He's nasty.
0: I mean, as a hitter, whatever, like, he's got some pop, he'll hit some homers, but he's a legitimate pitcher. Like, that dude can be one of the better pitchers in the sport if he, you know, puts it together and can stay healthy.
1: Yeah, I mean he's ninety nine on the corners with a split finger that just falls off the table. He's he's a ridiculous pitcher. I think hitting's gonna call, uh, come way down to earth.
0: I totally um, agree with
1: you. You just don't have enough as time, time to tiny the hitter. But yeah,
0: you don't have as much time to work focus on both of your crafts. There's a reason. And while I love the concept of it, and it certainly adds flexibility to a roster if you have someone who's good enough to do both. But I think ultimately, in the long run, the hitting will drop off. He's always going to be able to have a little power and stuff. But I think you're in the, in the long run, he's like a two thirty with twenty five homer type hitter. If I had to put a put a number on it,
1: yeah. Uh, what do you make of uh, Nick Williams' comments? Do you think? Ooh, good question. Do you um, believe he was uh, saying that? No, jest?
0: No, I know he came out and said, "Oh, bad time for a joke." Yeah, n- thanks, Nick. Uh, no, I don't think it was a joke. I think he was frustrated. And I think he needs to shut the hell up. That's my take on it. Uh, you know, my take is, hey Nick, you want to play more, be better. You know, sorry that they have three outfielders who are better than you. You know, that's really my take. And and I understand. And look, I think that they're. I understand the concept. I'm a big believer in getting people reps in anything in life, whatever you do. I think reps are crucial, but I do think that if you're a young major league baseball players in the major leagues, I think it is more beneficial for your career to, to get actual reps and develop that way. So I understand the frustration and I understand how, you know, it might not be the best to have guys, younger guys sitting on the bench more often than not. But I, I think in this case, you know, first and foremost, Nick, be better. You're not one of the three best outfielders on the team. So you shouldn't be playing all the time. And second, I also think that, you know, Nick Nick needs to shut that up in that situation and keep it to himself. He gains absolutely nothing by going public with that and ripping the lineups and whatever. That does nothing for you, especially a guy who, for right or wrong, has a reputation already for being a bit of a, a problem guy. You know, we saw it in the minors. We saw it in Texas. It's part of the reason Texas traded him here. We saw it when he was in the Phillies minor league system, the issues with his manager, all that type of stuff. So for me, I, I was... It bothered me probably more than it should. I don't think he was joking. I understand where he's coming from, but he needs to shut up.
1: Yeah, it bothered me more because it was the first week of the season. And just saying that is, especially with the climate of, of Philadelphia around Kapler now, makes lo- makes Kapler look even worse because then it's going to be the, well, is he losing the locker room stories and Well, especially and when that. you
0: couple it with the Heyman thing, with the anonymous player thing. It, it's it, Yes, I'm with you 100% on that front.
1: Well, anonymous is a weird way to spell Pat Neshek, but...
0: <laughs> I agree with you. I, I if I had to bet my life I would bet it on it being Pat Nishek who said that.
1: Pat Neshek is a rat. Um it, it was just a really annoying timing. Uh it's it's a very selfish this is about me thing. It was very Okafor of him. It was very ah. it was very Jaleel Okafor. Uh it was annoy I was annoyed by it because like you just you handle that in clubhouse. Listen, if you don't know why you're not playing, go talk to the manager. Like don't don't go complain to the media. It just, it, just, it just shows it's all about you. You don't care about the team. Like, it, and it's the first week of a new manager who's already been getting crushed in the town, and you add that to it. It was just a very, very selfish move that I, frankly, I, just, I didn't appreciate it, and I would cut him. But that's just me. Whoa! I would cut him. Oh, I like. Listen, look, look. Yourself, I, listen. When you say cut, would you,
0: would you send him to the minor? I, I would be fine with demoting him. I, I don't know if I'd just cut him out, just, right. You don't even
1: I I would be all right.
0: if they wanted to demote him to send a message. I would have been okay with that.
1: No, I mean it's fine to keep him up. It was just, it was just so annoying. It's like, why are you doing that? Right? I, now? I think like, selfish is
0: the right word. It's incredibly selfish. It's not just selfish about Gabe Kapler and what he has to go through in this city. It's like you said, it's selfish to your teammates. It's selfish to the rest of the guys in that locker room who, like, by you saying that, then you're saying. Aaron Altair, I'll bleep that. You're saying, you know, screw this guy through that guy. I'm better. I mean, you're just calling out your teammates, you're calling out your manager, you're calling out the whole situation, and and I thought it was it was really really a, a mistake in my mind.
1: It was, it was. I I didn't like it. Uh, I just I it just wasn't. It was, the the old baseball player senses in me it was just like that's not something you do to the other. 25 men on your roster you keep it in house
0: you know like look baseball speaking of you know we talk a lot about you know analytics and the new way of playing baseball and all that type of stuff there are still certain things about sports about baseball whatever that that are the way they are and should stay the way they are and one of those things is keeping things in house like that it services nobody other than yourself other than your need to complain to put that out in the public, it literally does nothing positive for the team. Nothing.
1: What, like it's not going to make Gabe want to put him right in the lineup. It's the
0: opposite. If if I were Gabe, I'd be like, screw you, man. Really? All right, fine. You're never playing again. And obviously Gabe didn't do that. He played him on Sunday and all that stuff. But um, I'm with you, man. I, I, if I were Gabe, I would have been, been furious with Nick Williams.
1: I agree. I agree.
0: All right, Fritzy. let's look ahead here. We've got six games coming up this week, Monday through Wednesday. The Cincinnati Reds in town off day on Thursday. Then they head to Tampa to take on the Rays. Jack, this should be a week of baseball where we we have some winning games. (laughs) You know, I mean, you look at the Reds and the Rays combined. They have three wins right now. How are you feeling about this week of baseball?
1: I think this weekend was positive. Uh even with the loss yesterday, I still feel pretty good. I mean, I, I, I'll trust Adam Morgan in those situations again. I'll I'll continue to trust Luis Garcia. You a guy Luis that Garcia. I'm developing a lot of trust for and a guy that I am quickly developing a man crush for. Yeah. Shout out to Mike Angelina. You going Victor uh, Arano here? Victor Arano. Dude,
0: I'm with you, man. I've been so impressed. And, and what was it, an inning and a 30 pitched um, last week in the loss that I was just like – all right, this, this guy can pitch. This guy's legit. I've been impressed.
1: He's kind of just got, he's got something. He's got a, a mid-90s-ish fastball, but it's really the curveball that he can throw whenever he wants that separates him. Uh, he looks like a guy that's going to stick around for a while. I've been, I've been super impressed by Victor Arano. I've been impressed by mo- most of the bullpen. I mean, Ederbai Ramos has looked okay.
0: Everyone except Pat Nishik. Shut up, well, Jake. St-
1: <laughs> well, and Luis Garcia has struggled a little bit, but but the, the, the bullpen as a whole, I'm looking, I'm looking pretty positive of that. Uh, so, Arano, so are
0: you on the the uh, uh, Ramos over Garcia bandwagon? Finally, with the rest of us? No, not
1: yet. <laughs> I still think Luis Garcia is good, man. I don't know. I, know I, I, I would still trust him, but Arano, him, and, and Ramos is a pretty good uh, one, two, three punch for if you need an out. Uh, if he needed out in a big spot in the middle of a game uh I'll take those guys Adam Morgan I still trust Hobie Milner I mean finally oh. the FIP is coming back to the ERA
0: Oh he is he is nasty man and and Capler I know people were ripping Capler for all that stuff but I I'm totally with him man like standing in the box as a left-handed hitter against that guy must be really really hard
1: well, he's nasty against lefties. He's uh, one of the worst pitchers in baseball against righties. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's
0: a submarine left-hander. It's it's that's the gig right there. I mean, like I know when I when I used to face sub left-handers in high school, like it, I could see the ball perfectly. I'm right-handed hitter. I saw the ball perfectly. It was the easiest pitcher I could possibly face. But if I faced a righty who was throwing a little little submarine action, it was really hard to pick up.
1: Of course, um, but you no, know, I, I feel pretty good. Uh, the Reds. I mean, Billy and Hamilton real quick is- on
0: the bullpen. You know, doing all this without. Whether jerk or not, Pat Neshek, a good arm, and Tommy Hunter as well, obviously the biggest acquisition there this offseason.
1: Yeah, I know. I know, and hopefully when they come back, it's going to make them even more dangerous. Uh, I mean, because on paper, it's, it's, everyone ripped uh, Phillies like analysts, I guess, for saying that the, the, the Phillies had a good bullpen for the first week. They do have a good bullpen. I fully believe they have a good bullpen. I'm not ready to give up on it. Uh, and just adding those two back to go along with, uh, Miller Milner and Morgan from the left side and then all those righties it's gonna be a good pen and I'm not worried about it at all
0: yeah I feel the same way as far as that goes all right back to the Reds what are your thoughts on this uh, upcoming series here
1: uh, listen the Reds have players that I hate like Jose Peraza I can't stand Billy Hamilton I can't stand Adam Duvall I can't stand I hope they roll this team uh, they got out of Tyler Maley, which I wanted to see a little bit. Um, I don't know. They they don't really do anything for me. I, Luis Castillo is super fun, but they will think be and they're going to we'll get their manager fired here soon. so uh, The Phillies they they should have another easy start to the season. Hopefully they can uh, get some wins going in their direction. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean,
0: it's a big week. Like It's early in the season. You know, You don't get carried away, small sample size, but... They have a chance to pick up some games this week. The Reds, like you said, are are a bad baseball team. Just lost one of their best players too, and and it's sad to say that Eugenio Suarez is the best player on any team, but <laughs> certainly well, he's one not of
1: the best player in the Reds. No,
0: no, no, one of their better players. Obviously, Joey Votto is a Red, but uh, you know Suarez, one of their better players, just fractured uh, his hand, I believe, so he is out as well. So this is a team that they should be able to handle, man. Like you said, guys like Jose Peraza and Billy Hamilton, they might be fast. But they can't hit, and that's the problem with those guys. And uh, you know, it, it's a really good matchup. Luis Castillo is an, uh, obviously a very interesting arm. Had a great year last year in limited time. Struggled so far this year, but I think he's a really good pitcher. That'll be the matchup on Wednesday uh, tonight. Cody Reed taking on Ben Lively. Hopefully, we'll see if Lively. Real quick, what are your thoughts on Lively? I know you've been more of a Pavetta than Lively guy, but but I thought Lively looked pretty good in his opening start.
1: Uh yeah no I I like Lively for this team because they're built so dependent on a on a really really strong bullpen and I think Lively has a really good chance to get this team five innings every time he starts now it may not be the the flashiest five innings but I believe that I believe pretty confidently that he can get them five innings every time he starts and then just hand the ball over to the bullpen and I think Lively I mean he competes he's the first two times through the lineup he's really good it's just that third time where the wheels kind of fall off because people pick up. Uh, on his deception, so uh, I, the first two times through the lineup, I, I'm confident that usually gets you around the fifth inning before the bullpen can come in. Uh, I like Lively as a fifth starter. Yep.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way. I've been I've been more impressed with Lively than I expected to. I wasn't a huge Lively guy coming into the season, but I, yeah, I thought he looked really good against the Mets. So I'll be interested to see if he can continue that. Uh, Aaron Nola versus Homer Bailey. Homer Bailey's still getting paid, which is crazy to think about. That's tomorrow. <laughs> Unbelievable. He sucks so that guy's much. making $20 million this year or whatever. It is so great. And then uh, Wednesday, a, a, the Jack Fritz special is Nick Pavetta taking on Luis Castillo. That's going to be a, a fun matchup there. And then again, the Rays. The Rays, the, uh, I believe, the worst team in baseball, certainly one of the only teams with one win, if not the only team. So this is a real chance. There are six games this week that the Phillies could win. And look, if they win four of them, they're back at 500. If they can win five or six of them, all of a sudden we're over five hundred heading into uh the rest of April, which is still a pretty easy schedule as well. Fritz, any final thoughts before we get out of here?
1: I'm going to be inconsolable on Wednesday evening. Nick Tavetta versus Luis Castillo is like <laughs> is like it's my Super Bowl. I know.
0: <laughs> That's why I said it. It's it's like so it's so you. This is the Jack Fritz game.
1: Oh my god. Luis Castillo, aka uh, I don't know. I was going to say Pedro, but that's too much. That's he's too much. A, a better year, Ventura. Ooh. That's what I'll say about I, Luis Castillo. I think Castillo. that's fair.
0: I think that's a good, a good way to put it. Look, Luis Castillo is nasty, and he is he not started off the season great, but he's going to be good, and that's a tough matchup. And look, Cody Reed was a high ranked prospect. I'm not a huge Cody Reed guy, but he's okay. Um, Homer Bailey sucks. So <laughs> I, I'm with you. I think there's a big series here. I, I You want to see the Phillies have to win two of this series preferably they can sweep the Reds at home before heading to Tampa.
1: Either way. Yeah, a, a sweep a sweep is in store. They're going to sweep the Reds. Pavetta, Pavetta, if he puts together two straight good starts, I mean, I'm already pretty insufferable, but <laughs> the, the Nick Pavetta <laughs> brand will be so hot if he has two straight, two straight good starts against bad teams.
0: So now I'm hoping the Phillies win that one 10-9. I don't know if I can handle insufferable. Man, Reds.
1: Pavetta was so good against the Marlins. <laughs> he
0: was against the Marlins, but he was so good. I'm like, with you. Like,
1: here's the thing. Velasquez, his numbers look good, but he didn't pitch that well. He pitched like, he
0: like crap. He was, if they didn't take, score five runs in the bottom of the first, he would have given up five in the next inning. Like, he he felt comfortable because he had a big lead. That was it.
1: Right. The difference between Pavetta's start and Velasquez's start, even though they had similar numbers, it was drastically different.
0: Uh, like, polar opposites, in my mind. Pavetta, uh, Pavetta looked great, man. And, and the Marlins stink, but real swing and miss stuff. Nine strikeouts and five and two-thirds. Very, very impressed. Mm. With Pavetta, excited to see what can happen there. My final thought is Phillies baseball. That's all I got. There's nothing else in this head. That's how much I care about this. All I care about is Phillies baseball. My final thought is Jack Fritz is right. The Phillies are going to sweep the Reds. We're going to be back to talk to you about it. We'll be back uh, uh, Thursday, I believe Thursday or Friday, with another show. We'll get John Marks involved. Um, And again... Big week here for Phillies baseball. It's exciting. I really do think they sweep the Reds here, at least at the worst, take two of three and then head down to Tampa. But we'll be back to talk about all of it. For Jack Fritz, I am James Seltzer. Coming back later this week with another episode. John Marks maybe will be in your ears as well. So, again, thank you for listening to High Hopes. Talk to you soon.